Welcome to the High Level Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. Ryan Finley, sports editor of the Union Tribune. Got a lot to talk about. This is the series. I mean, it has been for years, Ryan. It's been the, the series. I personally, I'll wait till October. That's what my message was from last year. I mean, who cares? Lose every series in the season. Don't have any chance at all. Uh, this, you know, be the little uh, brother. Gosh, the little brother. You're like the baby brother, the infant brother to the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. How are you playing in September, October? Alas, here we are at the beginning of May. It is a big series. I am excited. How you feel and what do you want to talk about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, for, for fans, especially nothing compares to a home series with the Dodgers and it's strange. I mean, it's Cinco de Mayo, right? It's May 5th and they haven't played the Dodgers yet. Uh, to me, that's, what's been so strange is we've been able to see, you know, a whole portion of the Padres season has laid out already this year without the Dodgers first stepping in. So I, I think that that's really what makes this series unique is I think we have a pretty good idea of who the Padres are at this point. Um, we know what their strengths and weaknesses are. We've seen the Dodgers struggle. Um, and, you know, that's what I think is going to make for for three pretty fun-filled nights at Petco Park. Uh, Kevin, before we get on to the Dodgers, though, I think there are a couple of things we need to talk about. Padres right. take two or three against the Reds. Uh, a certain slumping left-hander seems to have figured it out, at least in the short term. What did you see out of Juan Soto last couple of days? And is it safe to say that he's well yet or is he better where are we at you know this was a very Juan Soto like stretch right uh what was it? he's got a six game hitting streak going and he's nine of 24 doubles a home run I think what let me check make sure I get this right oh yeah I was gonna say six nine walks during that no. time well you know what you'll take those nine walks when they're accompanied by nine hits four doubles hits at you know at, at some big times uh much like the rest of the uh fernando manny uh soto uh top of the order there in the 10th inning the other day they all failed you wouldn't have bet that but uh soto's come through with some big hits i, I don't know is he going with what because he's not like hitting it to all fields but he is using I- center field a little bit more he's still pulling the ball a lot he's hitting the ball hard he's finding holes that is what i think Juan Soto's strength was both he and Xander Bogarts might be the best at that on this team of mm-hmm. finding holes versus you know i don't know just hitting the ball hard and and getting it in the air these guys are, are kind of old school ball players and take pride in that. And I, I think that's what I'm seeing out of Juan Soto. Um, I always tell you, I'm not a coach or a scout. I don't see much different. There's the other day when Bob Melvin said, you know, I'm not taking him out of the lineup because he's starting to swing good. I'm like, man, I noticed some swings during that game that didn't look good. So, well, I'm going to go with what Bob Melvin says because he's the manager for 20 years. Sure. I also think too, that I think not you, Kevin, but I think a lot of people are, are, quick to dismiss the walks, you know, as I was told as a light hitting, not very good baseball player. And then softball player uh, walks as good as a hit, Kevin. I mean, it's as good as a single at least. And this is a guy who walks more and better than almost anybody in baseball. Even when he was struggling, his on base percentage was still very, very respectable because he was able to walk someone. We have an expectation issue here. Uh, People that are upset with Juan Soto's walks have every right to be when you consider that, uh, C.J. Abrams, James Wood, uh, Mackenzie Gore were given up. The Padres are paying $23 million, and they're not doing that for a guy who has a two 
whatever it was. Let's say it's up to 225 now, mm -hmm. uh, 225 uh, batting average. Sure. Uh, uh, and uh, what uh, is OPS is uh, or was at that time like uh, 700. That's not what you're paying for. That's not what you paid for in terms of the prospect capital. Uh, but you're you are correct that like if there weren't those expectations, but there are uh, sure. like, hey, this guy's getting on base. Um, yes, that's great. And that's why I say you'll take the nine walks. I mean, that's incredible. Nine walks and nine hits in your mm -hmm. last 29 plate appearances. That's mind boggling. That's the one soda you thought you were going to get. Your original question was boiled down to, is he back? It looks like it, like in mm -hmm. terms of the results that he's getting, the confidence is matching the swagger for, you know, one of the rare times that we've seen him in what is now like the equivalent of a half season. Sure, sure. Kevin, Brett Sullivan was the hero uh, of Wednesday's game. Uh, really nice to see a career minor leaguer, a guy who was kind of an afterthought, I even think in spring training, come in, get his first career home run, uh, deliver more RBIs later in the game. From what you've seen of him at the plate, uh, does does Austin Nolan have to worry about playing every day? I mean, is is this is Brett Sullivan going to be splitting time more with Nola because of what he's doing? He could get a little bit more, but it's um, we're talking about maybe him uh, catching uh, a Waka, uh, you know, uh, catching Snell. Uh, mm -hmm. But Brett Sullivan is still learning how to be a catcher, much as Austin Nola was for a time. Sure. Um, Austin Nola is the superior defensive catcher. Let's not put too much stock in that, but that's just a fact. And let's also remember that Bob Melvin values that. Um, Brett Sullivan is, I mean, first off, seems to be a great guy, very enthusiastic, a good teammate. I think that he puts the ball in play. All right. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a that's a valuable thing. But it's not like when you weigh all the factors that suddenly Brett Sullivan's going to be as Luis Campusano was probably sure. headed toward had he kept hitting. Um, mm -hmm. The majority of the playing time was probably the trajectory you were going to see. Um, that's not what's going to be happening here. Sure. It's uh, we'll talk a little bit later in the episode about pitching matchups for the weekend and, and the Dodgers and all that. Uh, Joe Musgrove pitches Sunday. Uh, how's his toe from, from what you've seen, from what you've seen of him so far, is he back? Seems like, uh, you know, Joe's figuring it out because mm -hmm. Joe hasn't pitched a lot. And mm -hmm. so, uh, he was supposed to start tonight. Uh, instead we get, what was it? A, a game two matchup, uh, a rematch from uh, the NLDS last year. Mm -hmm. We get Darvish versus Kershaw. Um, uh, Joe has a blister on his foot. Not sure which foot, what it is. Okay. I'm just going to throw this out here. This could just be a fun little story, I'm telling you, or it could be the reason that Joe Musgrove has a blister on his foot. Standing out on the turf, on uh, artificial turf at our, uh, Estadio Alfredo Harpelu on Sunday, and they had just measured the temperature on the turf. It was 120 degrees and rising. And Joe Musgrove, who has a foot issue that I've, I've written about before, he works out barefoot. He comes out and does his running on the grass at ballparks barefoot. And he comes. Oh, that's running. a San Diego native for you right there. He okay, comes yeah. running out barefoot. Loves oh, no. the feel of the grass. And, and, and so he was out there for about two minutes and ran back in and never came back out. I have no idea whether he got some sort of burn on the bottom of his foot. I would not be surprised. It was such that you could, it was that kind of um, heat. You could feel it through the soles of your shoes. 
So uh, I would not be surprised. Uh, I did not have a chance to um, to talk to him. Uh, I did not see Joe around very much uh, during a time when it would have been appropriate to, to, to joke with him uh, about, I wanted to see, like, what was that all about there uh, out on the turf? Because when I watched him run out there, I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, and then he came back in. Maybe he got a blister. Look, they say that Joe can pitch on Sunday. So it looks like that that's all that is happening is that you're going to get Darvish today, Snell tomorrow, and uh, Joe on Sunday. It was going to be Musgrove, Darvish, Snell. So still the same three pitchers, and it does appear that that Joe should be able to pitch on Sunday. We'll see. I can feel Joe's pain here. I lived for years in Arizona. We had turf in the backyard. You make the mistake of, you know, you're on the phone, you walk outside. Oh, and it's uh, – uh, I. You tell the story. I covered my eyes because I've been there, man. And I don't have to pitch for a living. I'm just sitting so on my back. I have no matter. idea. Maybe right. it was nothing. Or maybe that's where Joe got a little burn on his foot. I have no idea. Regardless, just a, a little story for you from Mexico. Absolutely. Kevin, this is the most highly anticipated series of the year so far. Um, the last time these two teams played, uh, the Padres were Dragon Slayers to uh, steal a, a, a line from your former co-host. Are the or for Peter Seidler and bad for Peter Seidler, well, but but mostly from Jay Posner. If, sure, if, sure, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Great headline <laughs> from from one of uh, from one of Peter Seidler's quotes. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Uh, how do you think these two uh, teams have have changed since last year? I think that your average fan would look at both rosters and say the Padres are better and the Dodgers are worse. Is is it as simple as that, or is there something more to it? Well, I think it's interesting because. Uh, I don't think that we know about either one of these teams yet. I think the Dodgers, it just shouldn't surprise you that they're 19 and 13. They found their footing in the last week or so uh, because they're the Dodgers and they always figure out a way to, to make it happen. Their pitching seems to have, you know, uh, Urias uh, was, was getting lit up quite frankly, and, and appears to have figured it out. Clayton Kershaw, you know, wow, uh, this is pretty impressive the way that he has started this season. They mix and match so incredibly well uh, with their with their lineup that, I mean, yeah, you for the first time look at go position by position and you say that the Padres are bet theoretically not how the Padres are hitting so far, uh, but you say that they're better at, at at most positions and and you would say they have nine uh, of the nine players in the lineup. Each day, you would think, hey, wow, Padres can more than hold their own here. Um, the Dodgers find a way to figure it out. The Padres have not done that yet, right? Mm-hmm. They beat them in the playoffs last year. The Padres, I believe, are a playoff team this year. If if those of us on the outside, I already set, stated my feeling, what's important is the end of September and October. But those of us on the outside, and I do believe to a certain extent the Padres can take this series yet again as a as something of a measuring stick, right? Can we can we beat the the Dodgers on the regular? Can we, you know, no longer are we dragon slayers, but we're you know we're we're comfortable in our position here of people that of, of as a club that can beat the Dodgers on the regular. Um, I don't know what it means more than that, but mm-hmm. I do think that it's like a different kind of measuring stick, not of like how far away, how much have we closed the gap, but the kind mm-hmm. of measuring stick of are we as good as them? And, you know, are we better than them? Yeah, the, the Dodgers have an ability, I think, organizationally. I'm not sure anybody can manipulate a roster or manipulate a lineup the way the Dodgers do. Um, they seem to be greater than the sum of their parts and, and have been for a while. And it's funny that 
almost strictly by the analytics, by what the numbers tell you, every time it doesn't work out for them, there were a couple of decisions in the playoffs last year, right? And there seemed to always be, right? Like in the playoffs for them. Um, you know, it's funny how, you want me to back up what I'm saying about who cares? It's funny how often the the Dodgers have won the division. And how many times have they won the World Series in that span? Right. Oh, the one with the asterisk. But my point is, and I'm try- actually trying to compliment them, is I think playing the numbers and manipulating their roster, putting the right guy in the right place, I think that happens far more often. But every time it doesn't, then people are questioning them on why did they do that? Well, I don't know what to tell you. The reason that they're, you know, consistently so good during the regular season, at least, is because that is how they do things. And it's it's really, really impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One guy who does not need to be manipulated onto and off of the roster is Clayton Kershaw. Hmm. Um, I mean, I've written him off, Kevin, six times, five times in, in the last three, four years. You know, you see him, you know, he's, he'll have a back issue and he'll come back and he won't pitch well. Um, or he'll be limited the way he was last year in terms of they were really watching his innings and, and watching how much work he gets. He is five and one with an ERA under two as a whip of 0.76 uh, is, I mean, w- what's working for him oh. and, uh, and what will the Padres try to do uh, against a lefty here? Well, there's got some guys who, who hit him fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, that Clayton Kershaw come here and throw, uh, you know, six shutout, seven shutout easily, just like Darvish could do, who Darvish does well against the Dodgers. I haven't seen Kershaw pitch this year other than on the highlights. And of course, so then every time that I'm watching him, you know, looks like he's he's a young reincarnated, which maybe he is. Uh, It is pretty amazing. What is it? Uh, 204 wins now or something, 202 wins. Uh, It's, it's, it's stunning. He has had to remake himself to a certain extent over the years. But it's not like he's a guy who had to keep up the 98 velocity either. So it's like, in some ways, like what you said, it's surprising that, oh, my gosh, this is the Kershaw we're looking at. And in some ways, it's not because he kind of has always been this guy. And, yeah, this is we have a treat going tonight. Well, and the guy he's facing, you Darvish, the same thing. I mean, you Darvish doesn't throw 100. Yeah, these are these are two pitchers in the best definition of the term two guys it will be fascinating to watch both of their minds work on them yes i i i every time that darvish is pitching i'm like oh man i need to write about this this and then something else will happen in the game you don't really get to dive deep into it's very rare that you do but it's just he's that fascinating that you're like man this is the story tonight uh because like what he did in in mexico to be able to not use some pitches to then you know, decide that, all right, I got to shelve these for a minute, establish the, these types of pitches, and then I'll come back. And all of a sudden there he is throwing a curveball to get a guy out uh, mm-hmm. and, and throwing the perfect curveball, because if it wasn't the perfect curveball, probably was going to be a fly ball home run. He is just, uh, he's, he's a master. Yeah. Just incredible. Fantastic. Fascinating weekend. Uh, if you like pitching, um, you know, Dustin May, Blake Snell tomorrow night, then Sunday you've got Musgrove versus Julio Urias. Um, the Dodgers manipulated their pitching situation mm-hmm. so they could throw their three best guys against the Padres. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Roberts said so. <laughs> I mean, there's there's no secret here. Does that signify a change in the dynamic between these two teams, do you think? I don't know. It's interesting because I don't recall it happening last year. It didn't happen on the Padres side, whereas the year before it had. Both teams early on had their uh, made no qualms about that they were having their best pitchers face the other team uh, early April, May, June, or it's a- it was April and June. They played like those 10 games and it was like, yep, we're lining everybody up. It didn't happen last year. 
Um, the Padres didn't. They they had a chance to, but they didn't have to. The way that the off days felt. I'm not saying the Padres didn't have this series in mind and say, right. oh, okay, well, if we bring Musgrove back at this time, but it just happened that Musgrove came back at that time. So the Padres did not manipulate. I'm not saying they didn't line it up this way, but it was like – there were times where I was like, well, are they going to do this, do this? No, they didn't. It just, this is how it worked out for them. So uh, maybe the Dodgers saw that and said, hey, this is, uh, you know, let, let's put our best guys against their best guys. I find it interesting that you're mm-hmm. doing that in May. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The Dodgers of of all teams know that 111 <laughs> wins or a division championship doesn't mean anything. Uh, right. So, but why not, right? Plus, I also understand that Noah Syndergaard was lined up to pitch, and he's uh, what been pushed back to Monday against Milwaukee. It's not like they pushed uh, him back to face the Reds. They pushed him back to face, uh, you know, a first place team uh, as well. But you know, I guess they wanted a little extra time for him to, to work on whatever he's working on, try to get him right, because they probably know that they need more than these three guys uh, mm-hmm. to, to hold off the Padres uh, in the division. You know, there is a there is a uh, thought that these mm-hmm. games mean more now. You're only facing your division opponents 13 times instead of 19, right? Just because last year and the first year of the six playoff teams, it didn't necessarily work out for the teams with home field advantage or with a week off uh, mm-hmm. to, to – it doesn't mean that's not a good thing. Winning the right. division is still an important thing. Yeah. No, no, you're absolutely right. And, and you know, the easiest way to, to climb the ladder in your division is to beat another division team. It's a win for you and a loss for them. You know, it's, uh, yeah, that does matter more. Uh, Kevin, if I can go uh, out of left field here, pun intended, um, Adam Engel's on a rehab assignment. Um, this is somebody who you saw a little bit of in spring training. Uh, is his arrival imminent? Is this, is it going to be a couple weeks more? And if so, how does that dynamic change? There's been a time where that 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 it was imminent. If there's, I don't know if there's anything that's changed in the last couple of days, to be honest okay. with you. But okay. uh, you know, it's not like he's been tearing it up down there. There, there is a thought that he brings some things that help out the team uh, in terms of speed and defense. Um, but also, there's a thought of do what what don't they have right now? How yeah. in what way are they hurting in in any way? If Soto, you know, it's not like you're ever going to take Soto out in the ninth inning uh, right. for defensive place. You're not going to take Tatis out. You're not, you know. So right. uh, he angle. Uh, um, you're not. You're just, there's not a lot of room for uh, manipulation, and so I don't think there's any rush. Other than now, his rehab paused for a bit while he had some personal business. At some point, he's going to be up against. Uh, the the maximum time that he can do it, right. and he's going to need to come back, and then they're going to have some decisions to make. Right, because he's on a major league deal. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean that decision does that become Odor? Does that become a Zocar? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think there's any. I don't think it becomes a, a Zocar. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Odor has become a, a real nifty little part of this uh, equation, but mm-hmm. I don't know that that outweighs what a Zocar brings, and you know. Angle and Odor hit from the same side. I, I, it, I've always thought that it was uh, Odor. Yeah, I mean, in the Zocar is hitting much better than Odor anyway. Um, it, Kevin, you covered baseball in the pre-DH era. Now you cover baseball where there's a designated hitter every night. Uh, it, my outside observation is that benches just don't matter like they used to. Yeah, because you're not pinch hitting once or twice a game. Um, in many ways, talking about these guys who are far down the bench, these are guys who don't really play. Um, are, are we overstating, you know, asking you about Adam Engel, does it matter? 
Yeah, you know, it, it could uh, to a certain extent based on the fact that I, uh, other than checking every couple of days, uh, the stats and once a week asking a question about it, I'm not terribly concerned about Adam Angle. That, whereas in the past I would have been because sure. even last year, and obviously the DH was was here last year, but it was a different team. Um, this team does not – you. The amount of times that Bob Melvin, the king of substitutions in many ways during his time in Oakland, uh, has uh, gone with only the nine players that were in the lineup this year. It's the majority of games. And that was not the case last year, especially early um, before they got certain players. He was constantly mixing and matching. He was using defensive replacements. um, and, And you're just not doing that this year unless the situation absolutely calls for it. Um, and, and so this team in particular with the, the stars they have, with the power that they have, or theoretically, uh, that you're, yeah, it's not nearly as important. That said, you get games like uh, Brett Sullivan, uh, you get games like uh, Jose Zocar had a couple times. Um, so that I, I still believe in the uh, overused cliche of, you know, it takes all 26 guys or sure. the cliche now has become, it's, we're going to need 40 guys. Um but this team in particular, the starting nine is is paramount. Well, and when you cover a super team, Kevin, and there's a literal all-star at like seven positions, yeah, yeah you're, you're not giving guys uh, outside of a day off here and there, like what we've seen with Machado and Xander Bogarts. Uh, you're pretty much, you know, yeah. playing and paying your superstars every day. So yeah. yes, it's 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 less important than I, but I don't want to discount what they do. Uh, and Bob Melvin tries to use these guys as much as as any manager. But yeah, when you see the the usage of a Melvin managed team being as little as this is, then you understand that yeah, it's yeah, it's about the guys that are uh, put in uh, the starting lineup. Absolutely, absolutely, Kevin. Did you any observations from that Red series outside of the game that got away in extra innings? The Padres are now four and one against the teams with losing records that they played. So this little this little break they got right twenty three in a row in which they went eleven and twelve against teams with winning records. Uh, I think the majority of those were in first place at the time that the Padres played them. Now they get they got this break right now they go Dodgers Twins Dodgers all right before you get Royals Red Sox. Uh, but you know I, I like I wrote it the other day like. This is not an inspiring pace the Padres are on, but it's likely a playoff pace because they're not going to continue to play 75 to 80 percent of their games against teams with winning records. And and that's just how you build, you know, uh, your your winning record is you hold your your own uh, against good teams. Right. Mm -hmm. And you build up to 95 wins by beating the teams that you really should beat two out of three times. And that's what the Padres did against the Reds. I I thought that these, that that, this series, because let's just throw out Mexico city. They won both games, did what they needed to do. Um, This series was exactly probably what it should have been. Could they have won that middle game? Absolutely. Should they have won the middle game? Absolutely. They took two out of three against a team that just isn't that good. Two pitchers that just two starting pitchers, not that good. Uh, That was my observation is that they did what they needed to do. And how many times have we actually said that about them this season? So I thought that was a positive development. Sure. Absolutely. Well, Kevin Dodgers are in town. For three games starting tonight, I know that we're waiting for September and October, and it's strange to say those words. Um, but but I think people are stoked about uh, the first Padre Dodger game since since uh, last year's win in the rain. 
got the classic, uh, we have the classic City Connects and the classic Dodger uh, Los Angeles script uh, going tonight. Two of the uh, the historically uh, wonderful uniforms uh, in, in baseball. Uh, yeah. So this would be. This, did, you this, just, did you just put the City Connects up with the Dodger uniforms? I, I certainly don't, did. Don't slip that past me. Okay. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, by the way, if you're ranking Padre uniforms, because I always try to ask you something silly, you're ranking Padre uniforms. Uh, we're what's number what one, two, three, and four? Or what was what was the mustard like? Full on yellow, favorite oh. uniforms of all time. Sorry, sorry, I was four years old. Love those uniforms. Every once in a while, I just click on a website just to go back and go, man, those were beautiful. I love the current uniforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Do not like, and the only reason you like the clown uniforms from the 90s is because during your formative years, your favorite team went to the World Series. That's the only reason you like those clown, whatever, what was that? Orange, blue, pink, daffodil, just hated those uniforms. It's funny, had the Padres gone to a World Series in any of the iterations that they've worn since 1998, they'd still be wearing them now, right? We had nothing to – look, brown is beautiful. Brown okay? is beautiful. Yep. Brown is beautiful. But, but we would not have had all this to complain about if you were if you had a winning team to cheer for or write about. Absolutely. But here we are with a wonderful variety. Uh, both, I, I love both the road uniforms and, and I love the, the home uniforms. And quite honestly, I, I, I love the City Connects. Yeah. The road pinstripes – I'll fight people over those. I think those are spectacular. The sand colored pinstripes. I said it when I first saw them uh, and uh, uh, I, and I saw them before most of the players did. I said, this is the one that everyone's going to love. And I think it's turned out to be that way. I now love the Brown tops because we never see them. Right. Right. Yeah. Once a road trip. Yeah. Yeah. and, And I think they're a great look, but yes, the, the sand pinstripes are they're just so unique and it's just so nice to honestly when you travel a lot like you forget like okay what city where am i at there were times i would walk into miller park or whatever it's called now uh in milwaukee and i would see that the brewers were taking batting practice and i'd be like oh the potters are on the field i better get down there and i like i wasn't thinking because they looked exactly the same yeah absolutely absolutely i like going to stadiums now and you can tell who the padre fans are because yes. now, that brown just pops. The city, be it Mexico City, it was mm-hmm. it was it was phenomenal. Uh, wherever I go now, and I, I think it has more to do with the popularity that I'm seeing more uh, Padres hats and, and shirts in every city that I go to. And I'm talking about like downtown, not just at the ballpark. But you also notice them because now you sure. see someone in a brown hat. And 99 sure. times out of 100, if someone's wearing a brown hat, it also has a gold SD on it. Right. The best part about the brown, Kevin is that the Padres no longer look like the Dodgers, which I think when they had the white SD on the Navy hat, that was downright Dodgery to me. And uh, that probably did not sit well with me. It's one of those things you look back and you go, who, like, why? Like, why did we ever, what was that? Like, like with the Pinto, like, you know, what, why? That's, that's what I think about those uniforms. Oh, I love this. See, we should just, next episode should just be uniform talk the whole way. I'm, I think our, uh, our I gotta disagree, up. Ryan. I would have been with you for a long time, but I think the wonderful thing, and it's the point that you made, we're past that. Now. Yep, absolutely. Now we can talk about games that matter. Yep, right, absolutely, absolutely. And no game this season matters more than the three we're gonna see starting tonight: Padres, Dodgers, Petco Park. Get out there if you like good pitching matchups. 
If you can afford a ticket, try to be at Petco Park tonight. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Hot Lava Podcast. For Kevin Acey, I'm Ryan Finley. We'll see you next time. Thank you.